Good afternoon. My name is Karen Sampson Hoffman, and I'd like, like to welcome you to today's Ask the Expert webcast, ADHD-Friendly Summer Family Fundamentals, an ADHD Toolkit for Summertime Success. We are welcoming clinical researcher Dr. Tiffany Sanders. The Ask the Expert webcast series is presented by the National Research Center on ADHD, which gives the general public access to top clinicians, researchers, and other professionals. The National Resource Center is a partnership between CHAD and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and serves as the national clearinghouse for the latest evidence-based information on ADHD. A recording of today's broadcast will be available through the National Resource Center on ADHD's website, help4adhd.org, under Ask the Expert in about two business days. To view the recording sooner, please follow the same link you use today to watch the recording. The recording will be available about 30 minutes following our presentation today. We may not be able to get to all of your questions. If you would like to talk with a health information specialist for further information on today's topic, please contact us Monday through Friday from 1 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time at 1-800-233-4050 or online at help4adhd.org. Finally, following today's webcast, a brief survey will appear on your screen. Please take a couple of minutes to let us know what you think and how we can better serve the ADHD community through the Ask the Expert webcast series. It is a privilege to introduce today's guest expert, Dr. Tiffany Sanders. Dr. Sanders is a licensed psychologist and certified school psychologist with experience evaluating and counseling children, teens, and adults affected by ADHD, along with depression, mood and anxiety disorders, oppositional defiant disorder, and learning and nonverbal learning disabilities. Dr. Sanders particularly enjoys working with children, teens, and their families to strengthen the family bond, reduce conflict, and enhance communication. She is affiliated with the National Association of School Psychologists and the American Psychological Association. For those of you who would like to ask Dr. Sanders a question following her presentation, written questions can be submitted in the questions toolbox, I'm sorry, the questions box on the toolbar as indicated by the red arrow shown in this slide. All questions are moderated and we will get to as many as possible during the Q&A portion of the webcast. Again, we are very pleased to welcome this afternoon's presenter. Dr. Sanders, if you would like to begin. Thank you so much, Karen. I really appreciate you for um, allowing me this opportunity to speak to um, the members of National Resource Center on ADHD. Uh, I love talking about um, things related to mental health, awareness, and all things um, related to ADHD, um, Asperger's autism on that continuum. Um, a little bit of information about me. I'm a licensed psychologist. I am also a, school certifi a certified school psychologist, and I own Sanders & Associates. It's a group uh, mental health practice located um, in Chicago. We have offices actually in Chicago, the city of Chicago, and in its surrounding suburbs of uh, Westchester and Naperville. So we have a total of 13 therapists, including myself, who um, address a myriad of issues that um, range from behavioral disorders, emotional disorders, um, upwards to geriatric issues. So we, we see it all. I'm also an author, um, author of the book, My Purpose is for Real, Seven Simple Steps to Get Back on Track to Achieve Your Dreams. Um, what I found is while being in practice, um, many of my clients, um, adult age clients, usually young adults to about mm, 18, 19 to about uh, 45, struggle with um, pursuing their dreams and goals because of a variety of reasons they just got knocked off track. So I wrote that book to um, give them psychological principles as well as Christian-based uh, principles to get their life back on track. You'll also see me um, on the news. I was just on Nancy Grace um, just yesterday. I'll be on Newsmax today. You'll catch me on a variety of national shows offering commentary um, related to um, things such as the most recent incident, the, the shooter um, in North, um, uh, Charleston, uh, South Carolina. I'm also an international speaker, and I have um, spoken at a variety of places and, and, and very cool countries, and it's just a great opportunity. 
Um, and it's a great opportunity to speak with you guys today about a topic that I find to be exciting or what we can do to um, ensure that we have uh, success for the summertime. Um, many of my pumpkins, I call them pumpkins, that I work with, uh, we do such a good job of keeping them together during the school year, and, and once summertime comes, parents are um, at loss for strategies to um, ensure their success, um, maintain their academic gains, and just to enjoy their child um, because they have them on a regular basis versus the schools. So today, what we're going to talk about is summer has arrived. What does that mean? Um, and we're going to cover, but even though summer has arrived, ADHD hasn't left. Um, and that's really important to emphasize that um, ADHD does not leave over the summer, even if parents decide to take them off meds and they're not in school, they're not having those academic demands, um, the ADHD is still definitely present. Um, summertime challenges to keep in mind, as there are many the same challenges that your kid presents with during the school year. Um, sometimes it's often acerbated, uh, exacerbated excuse me, um, over the summer. And what should we do in the summer? Should we keep our current treatment plan? Should we, you know, retool, do something else? And we'll, we'll outline what that summertime success toolkit is for you um, with, your, with your pumpkin, your child. And then we'll discuss, you know, whether you should camp or not to camp. Um, the, the, the benefit of setting or designating outing days for your child to, to implement some level of routine. And, and back to the all important for me is maintaining those academic uh, gains. You know, as a school psychologist, it, it really uh, troubles me uh, once the school year returns in a couple months for many um, individuals. And a lot of those academic gains weren't maintained or um, enhanced over the summer. So we want to talk about that. And just my, my sort of final thoughts um, related to um, ADHD and summertime success. So we got a lot to talk about. So again, summertime has arrived in Chicago. Actually, many of our kiddos have been out of school for a couple months, uh, not a couple months, excuse me, uh, several weeks, um, up or upwards to a month because um, we typically go to school about a, a week or two prior to uh, Labor Day. So for us, you know, a lot of families are already making those memories, but for many of you guys all across the country, um, your, your kiddos are getting out or have just gotten out of school. So that's very exciting because there's no school. Kids don't have to worry about teachers and homework. They can have some lazy days, or so they think. Um, they can rest and rejuvenate, play their video games, again, so they think. And a lot of kids, they really just want to enjoy the long summer days. And that's, that's a good thing. We want them to make positive memories over the summer. We want you guys to take family vacations and enjoy yourselves because it's been a, sometimes a, a very difficult year. Um, you know, go to the parks, go to the pools, enjoy playing time. You know, summer is here, and we all know, especially for those of us that are in cold climates, winter will be a, arriving, coming back very soon, so we want to make the best of summer. But the challenge is, is that ADHD hasn't left. Right, um, and the disorder um, often the disorder becomes more difficult to manage over the summer because the routines that were in place when you um, were in school are not there. So your kiddos are struggling with being organized. They're struggling with um, inhibiting uh, inappropriate behaviors. They're dif having difficulty regulating their attention, their emotions, monitoring their behavior, their actions following directions. I mean, it's not uncommon for a parent to say, like, you know, I gave them instructions. When I, went to, when I left for work in the morning, I told them to do um, X amount of things, and by the time I got home, they all remember one or two, and none of the things got accomplished. So, you know, following directions and um, problem solving, you know, it's, it's a lot more opportunities for stimulation in the summer, and these kiddos have to think ahead and, and, and definitely um, use a lot of their problem solving tools to um, get through some, some dicey situations. The summertime is, is fun, but it can be pretty challenging for some of our kiddos. Planning, organizing for the future, um, and just adapting to the fact that, again, there aren't new routines, there's not a lot of structure, um, and so many novel situations. And if these kiddos don't have a folder in their brain um, as to how to manage these situations, you know, should, will you have um, challenges with them? And, and, and I'm going to guess you likely will. So we want to give you tools related to how to, to manage that. So yes, summertime is here, have fun, but ADHD hasn't left. 
And so because ADHD hasn't left, sometimes kiddos are, are disruptive. You know, if you and, and you know, I'm a I'm not a parent, but I have nieces that I watch, and, and they're upwards to 18 years old and as young as uh, six, seven. Um, and one of the things that's very um, common with little kids is that they disrupt routines, um, especially if you work at work from home. You'll find that, um, you know, what was your sanctuary during the school day is no longer a sanctuary. You know, things that they may uh, need you to be tending to, um, it can make, it can make um, those three months of the year where it's pretty warm a little challenging because they struggle just being quiet, sitting still. Um, a lot of these pumpkins have a lot of wiggly minds. Um, they complain of that. You know, grasshoppers, thoughts, they're just kind of all over the place. So once you think you've gotten um, settled down, you got them quiet, then they're rushing back with something new and exciting that's on their plate and what they want to talk about. Um, and, and, you know, when you have a lot of downtime, a lot of younger kiddos and even older ones, you might hear a lot more bickering. Kids getting into fights with each other, fights with their peers. Again, the lack of routine, structure, um, schedule can contribute to um, a little bit more of a hassle managing ADHD in the summer. So stuff that we want to keep in mind, um, and these, again, are hallmark things related to ADHD, that children thrive on structure and routines. I, I can't emphasize that the most. You, you find that your kiddo is often um, more successful, um, pleasant to be around, um, even you may enjoy um, or you may uh, be more productive when you're around them. When the child is on um, a structured routine, where they, the kid understands what's happening next. They can predict the schedule. Uh, routines and predictability, it just helps with them regulating their emotions better. Um, but unfortunately, lack of routines, and, and sometimes, again, we have this mindset, it's the summer, let them be free. Um, unfortunately, um, lack of routines can contribute to a little bit of more chaos, chaos for kids, mental and emotional chaos. So we really want to see where can we put some structure and routines in place for the summer and not um, ad-lib and just say, well, just play it by ear, because I think for many kiddos, um, though they may have a difficulty vocalizing it, by the end of the summer, most kids will tell you they're ready to go back to school. Not because summer is boring, it's because they just understand, they have um, routines, they just know what to expect of themselves. And sometimes summer can be um, so unpredictable, it just makes for a little bit more chaos for them. And it increases the fact that they can likely get in trouble. And boredom, when, when kids become bored, they also can get in trouble, right? Well, these aren't bad kids. It's just that these kiddos are seeking out stimulation and they're just maybe bored. And so parents, we got to find ways to meet those needs to um, prevent the boredom, the trouble, the, um, the, the lack of emotional regulation from um, setting in. So the first thing we ought to talk about is should we continue with our current treatment plan in the summer? You know, one of the treatment plans, you know, many of the pumpkins I work with, you know, they, they come in for counseling on a biweekly basis or a weekly basis. They're on medication. Um, they, they take their morning um, medication or they might get their booster session, booster shot, um, or excuse me, peel by the end of the afternoon so they can carry over into the summer. Should they um, continue with that sort of schedule? And it really depends upon each family and your specific needs. Um, I, I tend to say this, if your child is hyperactive, really impulsive, they lack a filter, and they can be a, a, sometimes a, a general pain to others, it might be best to talk with your psychiatrist and say, hey, um, can, is it best for us to keep Johnny on this medication? Um, kids who might, um, you know, are less wiggly, less of a pain on, on family vacations because they have their medication, they might be more pleasant to be around. And I know there, there's a, a, the perception that, well, I don't want to medicate my child if I don't have to. They're not in an academic learning environment. But, you know, it, it goes beyond just academics. It goes, it, it, it involves interactions with others. It involves um, communicating with others. It involves um, having better peer relationships. So children who might be so socially awkward and, and have trouble with emotional uh, regulation and getting along with others, it might be best to have that conversation with your psychiatrist um, and continue with medication for the summer. Along with it, it may be best to 
continue with your therapy sessions in the summer. Um, many therapists, including the therapists in my practice, uh, we become very flexible with our, our kiddos. In many cases, our evening hours are, um, include a lot of um, child and adolescent appointments. Um, parents may not want to be bringing their kid in around 6 or 7 o'clock in the evening if they don't have to. Um, you know, it, it might just involve making a request to change the day um, and time and move it to an earlier time. But there's um, opportunity um, to be flexible, just inquire of that with your therapist. But um, it's best to, to kind of keep them in that same routine, especially if you're noticing that your kiddo is making um, improvement um, socially and, and they're managing their impulse better. You know, I'm, I'm all for continuing with counseling um, in the summer. Um, additional tools for summertime success. It's very imperative for, for all adults, guardians, parents, um, interacting with children uh, or adolescents with ADHD to plan and put forethought into what the summer is going to look like. Um, communicating expectations, is, I, I can't emphasize that enough, is so important because um, kiddos really need to understand what's expected of them. They need to know what the schedules are, what routines are in place. And some of this needs to be communicated before the school year ends. So for those of you who might still be in school, uh, maybe for another week or so, it's definitely important to start having that conversation because the kids may be thinking, all right, when I get out of school, I'm just resting. I'm not doing nothing. Well, it might be best to start planting that bug in their ear and say, well, yeah, well, we have this camp plan for you, or we have this plan or that plan, or this is the time we're going to expect for you to wake up, this is the time we're going to expect for you to go to bed, because if we leave it to the child to determine their schedule, their routine, um, children have difficulty regulating themselves, and, and what they think might be best for them may actually be more harmful. Right, uh, so definitely communicating with them and establishing those routines is, are important, and putting that bug in their ear is very important. Um, including, you know, when you're planning, what type of trips are you going to take? How long will you be gone? You know, will we have enough of our medication to last us for the trip? How will we manage their behavior if we're on a road trip? You know, these are questions that's important for um, parents to to think about because. Um, again, I'm, I'm not one to just let life just occur. Um, I know a lot of people that might be their philosophy with life, but when you're working with children with um, an adult, adult that's on the continuum, um, they struggle with change. So it's good to, to think of these um, things and to mimic any routines you have currently at home, even while traveling. Um, very, very important. One of the most important tools for summertime success is patience. Um, kids are at home. They're not in school. They're not being tended to by many teachers that are managing their day. So instead of eight hours a day where they're gone, many of that eight hours they're either in a camp or they're going to be at home. So for parents who are around their children more often, patience um, is going to be needed, um, you know, to, to deal with the the, um, the impulsivity, to deal with the, sometimes the irritability, to deal with the fact of um, the, the, the difficulty maintaining attention or remembering or following directions. You know, parents aren't around that often during the school day, so um, the prime time for a lot of those challenging behaviors that occur during the school day, you know, parents are going to be standing from 8 a.m. to 10 o'clock at night. So it's just important to be patient and to be positive. Um, this is a good time to just um, illustrate to your child, um, you know, ADHD is not a crutch, it's not a negative thing, and that positivity is that, you know, still love you, you know, even in, when you make mistakes, communicating in a positive manner to these kiddos will let them know that there's nothing wrong with them. They might have something unique about them, but there's nothing wrong with them. Another tool for success in the summer, we've got to be organized. It's important to be organized. How do you keep your, your kiddos organized? You know, the same organization system you use during a school year, employ it in the summer. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of color coding. I'm a big fan of routine schedules, going to bed at the same time, um, leaving your keys and, and things in the same place. Organization is just numero uno when it comes to helping kids with ADHD 
who struggle with attention and focusing and concentration and planning. Um, it just helps their lives operate a little more smoothly, excuse me, so it's important that we remember that. Um, Maintain your creating your child's behavior system. Uh, you know, rewards and consequences. They work during the school day to help keep your kiddo um, in line, um, and they will work in the summer. So uh, if, your, if your school has your kid on a sort of red, yellow, green system, you know, uh, a sort of, a, you know, pull how many popsicle sticks, and that determines, you know, whether reward or consequences in place, it is important to have that contingency behavior system in place for the summer. Um, school, allow the school year and the summer to just be an extension of themselves. So I'm all for... Um, employing your own behavior system, but if it, if it worked in the school and Johnny did well and he got a lot of stars or you were able to um, manage any of the behaviors um, well at school, I say employ the same um, behavior system at home because that will help your kiddo um, do well and, and, and they like the rewards and, and they like expecting something um, if, they've, if they've met their goals for the week. So definitely continue that sort of system in the summer. Uh, one thing, one question that a lot of parents ask is, do, should I put my kid in a camp? Should I not put my kid in a camp? I think camps are fantastic. I, you know, I, there are a variety of camps. I've, seen, I've had kids that have gone to horse camp. I've had kids that go into um, camps that focused on robotics or focused on electronics. I've had kids go to theater camps. It's, it's really about giving your kids an opportunity to put structure to their day. Um, they're learning. They're making new friends. You know, they're having fun. They're participating in a variety of different activities. But the downside to many of the camps are they're expensive and they don't last a long time, right? Many of the camps can be more, more than one, two, three weeks. And sometimes, you know, sometimes the camps are just one day. Uh, many of the colleges might have a, a, a day-long camp on volleyball, you know, so it can be a little cumbersome to, you know, to organize and find out where the camps are, and it can be expensive. Um, so if you have those extra discretionary funds, I would say take advantage of it um, and, and get your kids signed up in camps. Um, here in Chicago, um, camps sell out, like uh, registration of the camps, they fill up, you know, months before summertime even comes around. So if you can't get your camp, kid in the camp um, this summer, um, no worries. Just keep that in mind for next year. But, you know, camps I think are, are a great way to kind of keep your kids in a structured routine. Um, I'm also I'm a big fan of organization. I like to color code things. I, I like to know each day what's expected. As a psychologist, I don't just schedule things all willy-nilly. I have a system Mondays and Wednesdays. I go to my Westchester office. Tuesdays and Thursdays, I go to my Naperville office. Fridays are administrative days. So I designate days to keep myself organized as a practitioner and a business owner. And I think that that type of designating days is just as effective for a child. So if your kid is not in a camp or not attending any sort of summer school activities, it's important to designate certain days for certain activities. Mondays might be let's go to the park. I mean, I'm a big fan of parks, and you can bring, um, you know, a variety of cool, fun activities um, and, and enjoy yourself and, and put routine about it. So 8 o'clock, we're waking up. 9 o'clock, we're having um, breakfast. 10 o'clock, we're out the door. We're at the park from 1030 to about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We come home for our summer lunch, uh, for our um, maybe a nap, and then in the afternoon it's expected that the kids will read for a little bit, and then for the rest of the day they have their time to themselves. Like that routine of, of how much time is going to be spent at the park is also important. Same thing whether it's library, cooking, arts and crafts on a certain day, pool day, maybe your kids in the sports team. Designate each day um, and stick to the day for the summer so everybody knows their day and, and, and designate a certain amount of time that you will devote to doing that. Maintaining academic games. This is important, um, very, very important. As a school psychologist, I, it, it really troubles me to see kids, um, you know, learn so much through the school year and they uh, at times, oops, excuse me, my timer just was reminding me that I just hit my 20-minute mark. I'm almost done. 
Um, ask yourself, what do you want your child to learn? Um, what do you want your child to, to know? Especially if they're, you know, um, going to another grade, the, work, the material's getting more difficult, maybe they struggled a little bit in the past. Um, before on a certain subject, maybe math, they didn't, they didn't get their multiplication facts down um, packed. It's important to try to, if you know your kid is struggling academically, consider getting them a tutor um, to help them master any sort of skills. Um, consider um, um, designating time for them to do homework, um, for them to do schoolwork. Uh, I, I think three months of the year is just too much time to have off and not be learning. So, I, and I, I'm a firm believer that um, a parent is a child's first teacher, not the teacher itself. The parent is. So, um, reviewing, taking the time to review parents the curriculum for the school year next year before the school year arrives, and and structuring their um, downtime in the summer where they are actually learning and previewing the material or re um, or mastering information that they did not acquire. So ask yourself, is there a new skill that you want your kids to learn? Um, how long will, if they're going to go in summer school, how long will they be in summer school? Will be in summer school for plan A, plan B the entire summer? And what is it that you want to make certain, how can we make certain they maintain their gains and structuring the summer where they do engage in learning? Um, not just self-directed learning, because, you know, kids may say, oh, I'll read books. Yeah, but actual structured learning time where they're, they're they're um, learning as much as they possibly can in advance of the next school year. Uh, so that might involve, you know, like I said, scheduling reading time, about 20 minutes a day, attending summer school, just, again, adhering to those routines because I think that will um, give your kid momentum into the next school year. Just final thoughts, every day does not need to be, be a busy day in the summer. It's okay if one day is, is sort of a little bit lax and, you know, maybe when you're um, going out and doing some sort of activity, but there's still routine to that day is important. So we don't need to over-schedule the kids in a variety of camps. But, but it's important to encourage them to keep learning and to have fun. And lastly, remember, summer goes by so quickly, so quickly that you'll be transitioning back to school in a heartbeat of a second. So it's really imperative just to um, get your kid in a, a great routine so they can have momentum into the school year, um, going into the school year, and then that will put them in the best mental state to be successful um, at school academically and emotionally and behaviorally. All right, uh, I talked a lot. I know you guys got tons of questions, so um, let's let's get started. All right, well, thank you, Dr. Sanders. I think this has been a good presentation. We are now taking questions, so you can send those over to us. And our first question is coming from Sarah, and she has a child who's going to be attending summer camp, and she was wondering how she can help her, her child have a good summer camp experience. Um, what, what can she do to prepare her child for a summer camp and, and make sure that her child has what she needs? Absolutely. Um, Sarah didn't identify what type of summer camp, so, um, or did the mom select a summer camp, or did Sarah select a summer camp? So I always, um, very similar to a, a child starting at a new school, I always like to preview where they're going to be going um, so, uh, prior to the start of it. So um, maybe going by and checking out the location, um, understanding what fun activities they will be doing in the summer camp, maybe meeting the camp counselor, because the goal is, is to um, acclimate the child as best as possible to reduce anxiety. So it's important for Sarah to, um, if, if the child has selected, to say, okay, mom, I want to go to a, a robotics camp. So then making certain that Sarah um, is prepared for success. So how early do we need to be up? How late do we, um, how early do we need to be up in the morning? How late do we need to stay um, up at night? Uh, what activities will be planned for the summer camp, visiting the summer camp, knowing and identifying the camp counselors, and asking will any of her friends be there will help increase the likelihood that Sarah will have success and a lot of fun. All right. Thank you. A lot of kids are going to camp, and there are some very good camps out there for children affected by ADHD, but there are just as many very exciting uh, camps for children's various interests. You know, if you're still looking for a summer camp, check with your uh, 
local community college, often they will run programs, but also check with us on helpforadhd.org. One of our frequently asked questions is how can I find a summer camp, and we've got some information there for you. Well, our next question is coming from Felicia, and she was wondering, how do I keep my son organized over the summer when, when we don't have a rigid school routine, while still giving him the flexibility for um, exploration and relaxing, so staying organized. Right, so staying organized is, is very important, um, and it will help your son have an enjoyable summer vacation, because once disorganization sets in, chaos in the brain and, and, uh, can, incur and can occur and, and, and frustration for everyone at hand. So one of the hallmark things is, Set a routine time of when your son will be up and set a routine time as to what time your son is expected to go to bed and stick to it and be firm about it. Um, the flexibility will come in terms of the activities during the day, um, but realizing that you ought to have choices to give your son. So, okay, son, it is, Johnny, it's Monday. You have the option of either going to the pool. The pool opens at 10. You have the option of um, going to the park, or you have the option of going to the library and then um, giving the time for that. Um, so there's expectations of, of where he will go and what he will do. Um, and then when he comes home or if he's done with some sort of activity for the day, um, it's important that, you know, just like he comes home from school or from whatever activity, take your shoes off, put your stuff in a certain place, have all the routines just like in school um, for, you know, bins for, you know, if he's done any activities and any papers, put that all in a certain place. Um, you want to kind of keep that same routine going from school. Um, in terms of allowing him for flexibility, I think you ought to designate time for him to be flexible in what he wants to do, um, but just having the entire day to himself um, without any sort of structure or routine and leaving up to his devices to figure himself out, or not figure himself out, but figure out what he wants to do, I just don't think is as effective versus giving him options and choices. So if you know that he struggles with um, making a decision, you know, reduce the amount of choices he has. Um, set parameters for you know, when he can go somewhere and what times he's expected to go home, and then give him the amount of time during the day that's to himself that he can maybe go and play uh, maybe video games, you know, some sort of electronic device, or maybe read a book, but have some parameters for the day and choices for your son. It will benefit him, and it will benefit you as well. All right. Well, thank you. I think that's going to be very helpful for a lot of parents. Well, our next question is from Gonzalo, and he was wondering, should I give my son homework over the summer? You had mentioned the risk of losing some academic gains. So should a parent assign homework for their child during the summer? I wish I could scream this answer yes, but I'm going to say it as emphatically as I can. Yes, yes, and yes. Please don't look at summer as a break from school per se, it's a break from no teachers, no school, and the traditional homework that they have received, but it's important to still um, recognize that giving them homework and structuring learning opportunities um, are important. Now, are you giving them um, an essay to write on a book? Uh, that may be your choice, but that might not be what you want them to do. You might want them to focus on the skills that they struggle with that they might need mastery with and devote um, certain time every day to that skill. And the homework assignments, excuse me, that you might use I always recommend to parents go to somewhere like Barnes and Nobles, Borders, if you know those um, um, brick and mortar places still exist in your community, and go in the, the academic learning sessions and go with the kid and help them pick out the sort of workbooks that they can focus on that they actually say, well, I think this one I want to work on. I think this might be the one I want to work on, Dad, and utilize that. Um, when you're assigning homework. So it's not you just randomly assigning stuff. It's that you're going with your kid and you're creating sort of an activity of it. Um, definitely go also consider going to the teacher stores 
um, in most communities they have stores where the teachers go and buy their materials and their resources. And so you can buy uh, many of the books um, or workbooks that teachers use from, uh, utilize during the school year. So if you know your kid is going into fifth grade, going into high school, and you want them to brush up on some topics, go with them and help them pick out the materials that they will be doing, uh, monitor their studying and learning, and assign um, homework from that. Um, and so then the kid would have um, participated in the decision of doing that homework because they would have picked out picked out that book when they went to the Barnes and Nobles or the teacher store in your community. But to answer your question, yes, give them homework, but not the traditional homework that you would have saw um, in school. There's flexibility. You're not going to be using a red marker, you know, F or anything like that. You know, you're just going to be indicating, um, helping the kid brush up on skills that they may not have done well with or introducing them to new skills for the school year. All right. Thank you. I think that's a question parents do have. And uh, I know of one little girl who has a um, school workbook waiting for her now for over the summer. Well, we have our next question from Rachel. And his daughter just turned seven and is attending summer school with lots of academics and lots of activities. But her daughter seems a little bit sad and is not excited about making new friends or being in this new environment. And she was wondering if you have any thoughts on how she can help her daughter enjoy this over the summer. Um, since I'm lacking a little bit of information, uh, I'm going to guess that she, she may not be excited about going to summer school, um, maybe because the schoolwork might be a little difficult, maybe her friends may not be there, um, so she has to make a new set of friends, um, and, it, you know, everyone else seems like they're having fun and I'm back in this boring traditional school setting. Um, so I, that can absolutely be challenging to convince kids for the better for them to attend summer school. Um, and so one of the first things that I'm recommending to you to do is, uh, you know, again, um, make it fun. You know, if the kid is starting school in a, a week or so and they're changing new classrooms, you know, tr treat it like they're going to school for the very first time. You know, take them to meet the new teacher. Um, you know, help them, you know, tour the, the – because the, sometimes they're, they're attending summer school in a totally different school within the district. You know, give them a chance to um, – uh, tour the school, um, uh, remind them that it's not a traditional school day where you're going to be there from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. It, it's on summer hours, so it's um, a little less time. Um, you know, if they're saying, well, hey, I'm, I'm not going to be able to make friends, provide your kiddo with um, strategies to make new friends. One thing that's very difficult about making new friends is kids struggle with what conversation, what's my conversation starters, what do I connect with other kids on, will they like me? Um, so provide your kids with some of those answers so that will help them um, or tools so that when they get to school they can readily apply it and help them make new friends. Um, Usually in the summertime, if you're in school, Fridays is the day you don't go to school. Um, it, it's the day, you know, day off. So um, maybe by Friday there's something fun that's planned. You know, if the kiddo is, um, you, know, say, you know, stays on green, they never, you know, gets a yellow or red, um, they go to school chipper, then come Friday then they get their reward of maybe going to a, a nice water park or maybe, um you know, uh, going to some sort of uh, paintball activity or class. So you got to make it fun, but you also got to make it, uh, you have to introduce it to kids in a way that it, they understand it benefits them and it's not going to be all negative. And making it fun on that Friday will help increase the likelihood that the kid is at least accepting the idea of going to summer school and then providing them with tools to connect with their with new friends because their friends likely may not be in school, um, but we want them to make new friends. And so giving them the tools, things to say will help increase that. And then that can help them weather the summer school storm. All right, I think that is very helpful. And, and I like how you said that weathering summer school. Uh, summer school can be a great opportunity, but a lot of kids, they, they don't quite see it that way, do they? No, they well, don't. Our next 
I was just going to say they don't, and they, they don't because they see it as a punishment. And it's it just important to change the language surrounding going to summer school. You know, say it's going to, it's going to help you be, get ahead, you're going to feel really smart, you're going to feel, you know, you have great momentum going into the school year. So part of my presentation was about being positive. So, you know, changing the language in terms of positive language versus punishment for not making the grade will help kids to enjoy summer school. All right. Well, our next question is coming from Anna, and she is asking for your thoughts on how to manage other parents' pressure or expectation. Um, she has a very. She also has a structure for her family during the summer, and it seems that some other parents have kind of given her a little bit of flack for saying, you know, saying your kids are too structured. There's too much routine. It's summertime. It's time to be a little more relaxed. So how can one parent manage another parent's um, thoughts about how she's managing her own family? That's such a really good question, and I'm glad that she asked it. You know, parents apply peer pressure to parents, and um, the parents also want you to conform to their norm of not doing much in the summer because you because then they won't feel guilty. So first is understanding that that's, this is about them and their feelings and not about you. Um, they're feeling guilty. They're feeling like they're um, not structuring their child's day and time the way that you are. And so because they're feeling um, sort of inadequate or, or like they're lacking as a parent, what they're trying to do is put peer pressure on you so you can conform to what they're doing so then it reduces those icky feelings on them that, oh, I'm, I'm not being a good enough parent. So one, understanding and recognizing why they are applying that peer pressure is important. And then secondly, you know, I wouldn't share, I would try to avoid sharing with parents what's, your, what's on your schedule. And if so, if they happen to know what's on your schedule, um, it's always important to go back to what every child is different and we have to do what's best for our kid and our kid actually likes and enjoys the activities. Oh, well, summer is about fun and about sleeping in, about these sort of things. But for our family, it, it, summer is fun, but it's, it's more enjoyable when we put the routine and structure in. And just kind of leaving the conversation there, um, you don't owe anyone any true lengthy explanation. You don't even owe anyone any explanation at all, but just out of courteous, you're, you're responding to their inquiry. So it's just best to just give them um, a few nuggets, say it works best for our family. We tend to enjoy each other's company when there's more routine and structure. My kid thrives on it. Um, you know, well, you know, well, I, you know, what we do for my family is this. Well, you know, I'm I'm glad to hear that. Cut the conversation off. Don't engage in the banter because really the source of the banter is they are feeling inadequate and they rather that you conform to them so they can reduce their icky feelings of guilt versus recognizing that that's something that's beneficial for your family. All right, thank you. I think that was a question that a lot of parents face from other parents. And uh, I think what you said, that we don't owe explanations to others, but we do want to be polite. I think that is very good advice. Well, our next question now is coming from John. And he uh, has two kids. And he was wondering, what is the best way to handle siblings that don't get along over the summer? One of his children has ADHD and the other does not. So a little bit of sibling bickering going on here. Yeah, sibling bickering is, is not uncommon because kids are around each other more often in the summer, so they have more opportunities to um, press each other buttons um, and to um, incite sort of some sort of fear amongst each other. So um, one, uh, he didn't uh, state the, the kid's age, so sometimes that makes a difference, sometimes it doesn't. I'm all for... Um, uh, not totally separating the kid, but, you know, helping each child identify their strengths and what they enjoy and structuring each, each child's day to be doing those sort of fun things for them or learning activities where there's less opportunity for them to get on each other's nerves. And then if they happen to be doing the same sort of activities, um, I, you know, I would limit the amount of time 
that they are going to be in each other's space. So, for example, if they're both on the volleyball team, um, as I have a set of uh, kids that I work with, the sisters are on the volleyball team. Okay, so after the two hours of volleyball, you know, what is it that this daughter can go and do and what is it that that daughter can do? You know, like you have to recognize that each child gets their so much time where they can tolerate their other sibling. And you want to, once they've hit that max, then you just got to let them uh, decompress and then get some time to themselves, and then they'll be more inclined to interact with their other sibling. Um, I don't think you should be beating the kid over the head and saying, well, you know, your brother loves you and your brother's not that bad. You know, you ought to just, you know, hang out with him. Like, don't try the guilt trip. Don't try to manipulate them into liking the other sibling because that doesn't work because it might make them feel guilty. Like, I don't like him, but I got reasons for I don't like him. The kid's a jerk, you know. So it's it's not really advantageous to kind of have that sort of, well, you know, blood's thicker than water. You always got to have your brother's back and, you know, Stay away from that conversation because really that actually has the alternate effect where the kid just even gets more annoyed. So it's just best to kind of make certain that each child has their own individual activities that can keep them occupied and and put time limits on how long they're interacting with each other because um, once they get their full or their fill, let them. That's it. All right, all right, Johnny, you go here. Um, Marcus, you go there. And then um, when they are uh, in those activities separately, then that gives them enough time away. You know, they say absent makes the heart go fonder. It may make them want to hang out with their sibling again. But, you know, getting rid of the guilt talk about why you should like your brother or your sister, explain that because that doesn't help. All right, thank you. Sibling rivalry and sibling bickering is something we hear about at the National Resource Center every once in a while. Well, our next question is coming from Laura, and she was saying, she was thinking back to what you said about summer going by so quickly, and she was wondering how long before school starts again should her family or should any family begin uh, practicing the school routine with going to bed at a certain time, waking up at a certain time, to kind of make that transition a little smoother. Great question. Um, you know, for us here in the Chicagoland area, there's really only one more month, of, you know, off for school, and that's just the month of July where the kids really have off because come August, um, the middle of August, many of our kiddos are returning to school. So I like to employ a, um, overall about a three-week sort of ramp-up. Um, you know, start the conversation three weeks out from the first day of school. You know, you, you're getting kids excited. They got a lot of the, the summer commercials are running, especially after the 4th of July. They start running really quickly. So, you know, you're seeing the commercials. Um, the days are now. The nights aren't as long. You know, the nights are getting shorter. So it starts to have the conversations there. And the first thing to do is to work on the bedtime. Um, you know, shrink the bedtime. If they were up until like 11 and their traditional bedtime is um, around 8.39 during the school day, it's important to start shaving off a half an hour um, each week until you get the kid to the, excuse me, the bedtime that's ideal for you and your family. So that's one. Another thing to do is, is each week as you ramp up to the start of the school day, you know, you're, you're getting the new clothes or you're, you're buying the school supplies, you're getting the house back organized in a way that it functions very well for school. So kids are seeing that buildup, that momentum to the start of the school day. Conversations are occurring in terms of, you know, what to expect, what classes they're going to be taking, um, what activities they're going to be getting. I like to plant the bug in the kid's ear um, several weeks out from the start of the school day, um, the first day of school. And I think if you can, if you shrink the bedtime and, shrink, and not allowing the kid to, you know, sleep in all day, um, so you're shrinking the bedtime, but you're also increasing when they're waking up, then you're getting them um, in the frame of mind to adjust returning to school. So definitely three weeks out is, is sort of my rule of thumb that I give to parents. All right, three weeks out, begin those routines to go back to school. Well, our next question is coming from Nadia, and she's got a, a question that I think a lot of families are facing. Um, she says it's difficult to maintain a routine with her seven-year-old daughter because she's with her dad for part of the week, she's with her mother for part of the week, and there are a couple days of the week that she gets to spend with her grandparents. 
So how can she enforce a schedule, keep a routine when her daughter is with so many different people during the week, different places during the week? Oh, that's a, that's a tricky one. Um, every household is sometimes different in terms of um, routines, um, expectations, discipline practices. Um, if, if she is the custodial parent, um, what I would do is, I, you know, I'm kind of neurotic like that, I would draft up what is the routine that you know works best for your kid, and I would communicate that in written format and in verbal format to the other households. Um, and and the and in emphasizing the fact that it's not trying to control the household is another person's household is that you want consistency because consistency um, will help the the young girl um, perform and thrive better and just be emotionally um, in a pleasant um, state of mind. So it's is getting all the 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 adults involved with. Um, and, and, and it could be that you're not just dictating the routine, it's that you're discussing amongst the three of you guys, this is what works best for her, what do you think works best for us, for her at your house, and how can we facilitate that amongst all of our homes to increase the consistency for um, our little pumpkin so she thrives and does well, and it's not... Um, it's not about us, it's about her. So I would, I would start off with just saying put a draft together, you know, have a, a talk with each of the, the grandparents, the father, and say, you know, can we employ this consistency across both homes and, and, and make it about her and not about you, and that will help them buy into the idea. All right, I think that's very helpful for a lot of families, and, and keeping that consistency is very important. Well, our next question is coming from Guinevere, and she has a son who is just diagnosed with ADHD, and she's wondering if summertime is a good, a good time to explore medications to see what medication would, be wor would work best for her son, or should they wait on the medication trial until they return to school? Well, I'm not a medical doctor, so I'm, I'm giving this advice um, based on what I've seen with my clientele. Um, I think that if you know your kid benefits from, uh, will benefit from psychiatric medication and you've talked with your psychiatrist and you are in agreement that you're going to do, put them on some Concerta, Ritalin, uh, some other form of stimulant or non-stimulant, um, the summertime is a good time to start the medication trials. But to determine the effectiveness of the trial, you have to measure it against something. So, you know, um, I, would, I would try my best to say, well, if I'm going to have my kid, you know, start taking medication in the summer, they're going to take it at 7 a.m. at the same time that they would take it if they were in school. Um, they, would, they would focus on, they would use it for whatever activity they were doing, um, have them do some sort of um, paper pencil activity, you know, see if they're focusing or they're struggling with attention, um, monitor their weight, you know, while they're on their meds, determine if they need a booster shot. Um, it's important to, to kind of duplicate what the, um, the environment will look like during the school year when the medication is needed. So you're going to kind of have to create, um, uh, I'm, I'm at loss for the, the direct word I want to use, sort of that environment over the summer, and you've got to measure it against something because you've got to create a baseline to determine whether the medication is effective. Um, again, you're measuring weight, attention, their, their productivity on assignments. You're looking at do they get along well with others. You know, sometimes are they less impulsive on, over the summer. So identify what you're measuring it against and try it out. And when you're utilizing the medication, take it every single day, including weekends. Because when the kid is in school, it's best to give the medication on weekends because they're also doing homework on the weekends. And so um, you'll learn which dosage works best and which medication will work best. But if you're going to do this, I say do it, stick to it, keep the same routine, up at 7, booster shot by 4, and, and, and determine the efficacy of the medication that way. All right, thank you. And many people do consider taking a medication holiday during the summer, and this is a question we get at the National Resource Center about the benefits of a medication holiday, what are the drawbacks. And our advice is you need to discuss this with your child's doctor and take a look, because the same issues that existed during the school year, they're going to exist during the summer. Right, Well, exactly. our next. 
Yep. I was just agreeing with you. I was just agreeing. Go ahead. That's all right. That's all right. Please forgive us. Sometimes there's a slight audio delay. Well, our next question is coming from Dana, and she was wondering if you have any advice for going on road trips with children. Um, she said that in the next few days, she and her family will be going on a road trip. She's got young kids. And what would you suggest? Oh, my goodness. I'm going to be honest. I took a road trip with my, my niece. Oh, it was uh, the worst road trip ever with my sister. My niece was so annoying. Uh, and she was only six or seven. So I'm telling you that I, I, as an adult, found my niece to be annoying, and she has ADHD. So I would imagine that another kiddo in the car or even adults with someone with ADHD, others might find the child to be annoying. And I'm even a psychologist. So I, I on the next road trip, I, start, I went to my sister. I said, hey, we got to get some things in place before we take this seven, eight-hour trip to Memphis from Chicago. I think it was almost ten hours with with your daughter. I mean, we I need we need her to have um, books. Um, we need to have um, reading objects. We need her to have coloring utensils that weren't going to damage my car or or anything because we were road tripping in my car. Um, we need to have snacks. We need to have routines for how long we're going to drive, and then we're going to, um, to take a break. Um, we need to have um, uh, a set schedule for when she's going to eat or when we're going to take those breaks because for, for individuals who um, are in a car cooped up, cramped up, taking a long road trip across the country, it can really work people's nerves. So I would say that if you know you're going to take this trip and you know your kids, you know, regularly eat or go to the bathroom or they need certain things to occupy them, um, create fun time games on the road. You know, I always love to see, you know, count how many license plates are from this state, how many license plates are from that state, or, or let's do the how you spell Mississippi, you know, and all these sort of fun games because you want it to be an enjoyable road trip and not where one was a, one is a pain in the butt. And, I, and I, you know, I, I, I beat myself up for it, but that road trip to Memphis with my niece was just atrocious and never again. And, and since then, my sister has implemented those um, strategies, and I now like taking a road trip with her. All right. I think those are some good suggestions, having activities ready, having ideas ready. So that actually brings us to our last question. And uh, our question is from Pat, and she says that she has a child who is very active. Uh, he deals with some hyperactivity, and he likes to be outside but it is too hot. There are many areas of our country that it is too hot in the summer to be outside and to play. And so she was wondering if you have any suggestions on finding indoor activities, either going to different places or activities that they can do at home for her very active child during the summer. Oh, that's such a great question, and, and, and you know what, we do need to keep in mind that every one summer is an 80-degree or 75-degree temperature as it is in Chicago. You may be in Arizona or Florida, and the temperatures can creep up to 100 degrees, so I'm glad you're asking for that. Um, we want to keep in mind indoor places where kids can go. Um, oftentimes there are indoor activities that have um, trampolines, um, or like sort of those bouncy balls um, that's really on, they vary in terms of ages. You can go bowling, shooting pool. Um, you can think of going to an indoor pool park. So I would find, I would go into um, our city, go to your local city's um, website, uh, especially because they know that they have, they live in a, that you reside in a very hot um, geographic area. So they probably likely have a list of fun indoor places for you to go to. Um, and then they might have, a, you know, any sort of passes that will help with the cost because you're likely going to be doing stuff out, um, outside but indoors on a regular basis. Um, if you have to keep your kid in, inside and you're not able to, to go outside, um, you know, here in, in, the, in Illinois, our issue is with wintertime, you don't go outside in, in the bitter cold. So what we found to be doing was my siblings and I created our own games. Um, we had lots of board games, but we created our own games and, that kept us occupied and that helped us get a lot of our wiggles out. 
Um, so that's very important. Um, it's also very important that if you've got a little bit of space in your home, you can set up sort of a play area where the kid can um, move around, be a little bit more bouncy, uh, uh, not break things, but have a little bit more space where they can kind of stretch themselves without worrying about breaking things. So I would designate a little bit of space in the, in the home. Um, maybe your kid likes to play golf. You put up a little small putting green area in your basement so your kid can have access to do those things. It just takes a little bit of planning and forethought, but definitely contacting, you know, going to your local city or uh, suburbs website and looking for any of those fun indoor activities where it's really cool and air conditioned, and also finding out, creating games with your kid at home, lots of board games, um, arts and crafts, um, cooking, you know, maybe he might want to prepare a meal, you know, things that will keep him occupied and that will still keep him moving around versus sitting still and reading a book. All right. I think you've offered a lot of really good suggestions, a lot of uh, good ideas for our participants today as uh, the summer gets into full swing. Well, I want to thank you, Dr. Sanders, for, for sharing those suggestions and for being with us today. I thank you for having me. We're very pleased to have you. And for our audience members, we hope that you've enjoyed this presentation. And we hope that you will take a moment and send us your feedback. The survey will appear on your screen at the end of the webcast. And the survey helps us to plan programs and ask the expert webcasts that meet the needs of our community. So this survey is very helpful. And for July, we will be featuring our Summer Encore series. Join us for the first of our Encore presentations in our series, ADHD in Preschool Children, featuring Dr. Mark Mahone. Our Encore series brings you some of our popular Ask the Expert webcasts that you may have missed the first time. Join us, for, join us this July for these informative Encore presentations. And you can register now at help4adhd.org or on the CHAD website at chad.org slash askthexpert. Thank you again for participating with us, and we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day.